Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's great to have a dishwasher, but sometimes you just want to put on rubber gloves and stick your hands and, and then notice that there's corn in the sink that you want to wash down the drain. And no matter how much water you pour in the different places to try and get the stream to move the corn into the hole, it just will not go no matter what. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello! It's the first week of Annabelle's maternity leave and in an act of what I can only describe as laziness, my first guest host is my wife, Sarah Barron. Hello. Hello. How, how do you feel about Annabelle's presence in our marriage? Do you perceive a Charles, Diana, Camilla situation? Well, I think the best detail about that is that when we were um, in the run-up to getting married, Annabelle did a reading at during our wedding. And when we sat down, I can't remember what the name is of the person who married us. She, uh, I can't remember. No, not her actual name. I mean, what's the name of oh, that the reg- person? The registrar. When we sat down with the registrar, um, she we were like talking through some things and i said something about like in let's oh we could refer to her as your work wife and you both looked at me like you're an idiot that's a weird <laughs> thing to do during your actual <laughs> wedding ceremony but i'm telling that to make a point about my comfort with your with the um lack of sexiness that exists between you and Annabelle. I would say there is less sexual tension between me and Annabelle than there is between you and your brother. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) what I was going to say. I think I'd have an easier time having sex with my brother than you would have having (laughs) sex with Annabelle. My brother is very cute. Um, So I wanted to to start with a story. And here's the thing. What takes up most of our lives? Your depression. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was I supposed to say the baby? Yes. Sorry, the baby. sorry. Your, our baby, and then your mood swings. Okay. So I, I don't really like talking about the the baby too much, telling stories for a few reasons. One is back when I was on the radio, I started telling some story which involved the baby. It wasn't about the baby. It was about something idiotic that I had done or thought or, or said or whatever. But the second I mentioned um our son, somebody texted in, nobody gives an F about your baby. Classy. And and I do worry it's boring for people. And then the other thing, and you know, you're you're as aware of this as I am, is your own baby is very cute to you. Right. But th- th- those stories of cuteness, they're not interesting to other people. Right. So with those disclaimers in place, mm-hmm. I'd like to start this week just with this little story. So our son has become obsessed with this small bottle. Right. It's, it's a it, glass bottle. It is. Um, it's, it's a bottle of vanilla essence that right. you would use in baking. And I think it's just exactly the right size for the palm of his hand or something. <laughs> so there have been a c- couple of occasions recently where I've had to take it off him at bedtime and he's lost his mind. We went out to the shops the other day. He kept this thing in his hand around the shops, around the park, and he's holding this bottle and he won't let go of it. He's got it in the pram. He, he's got it when he's out walking. He's got a little push-along walker, but he's still managing to hold this bottle. And... Um, I'm finding it very cute, but I'm not really getting that sense from other people. Right. And and there are a couple of times where he stops to pat a dog or whatever, and the owner of the dog says, 
oh, um, the, the little bottle he's got there said, yeah, it's vanilla essence. I'm like, oh, right. And I'm thinking, why aren't other people finding it as comical that our baby is carrying around a bottle of vanilla essence as, as I am? So anyway, I'm heading home and I pass um, a couple of uh, drunks on the street. Right. One goes to the other. <laughs> he's got booze. The other goes, who's got booze? He says, that kid, he's got booze. And at that point, I realise that this bottle looks exactly like one of those miniature bottles you get from a mini bar. Right. So that's why people aren't finding it delightful. Right. They're thinking that I, in some way, think it's comical to allow my kid to carry a small bottle of whiskey around with him. Right. And also I realized he's been, he chews at it. So the the label has, the way that like a paper label will come off, they probably, it just probably looked like a small bottle of whiskey. Yes. And you were probably like, I'm just a funky dad who lets his kid have whiskey. <laughs> I was humiliated Yeah, that's that. humiliating. Yeah, yeah. If you're insightful and aligned with this vision... You might be ready for the next phase. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. How do you feel it's going so far? Medium. Like, I don't think it's a disaster and I don't think it's a hit. Are you worried the listeners won't take to you? Yeah. Because you're a very abrasive character compared to Annabelle. Yeah. And I think it's like the nepotism. And and I, although I really will say this wasn't nepotism, this was laziness. And also on your part, which you said, and... This thing, which I, I somewhat recently real like, I, you know, you think you know everything about your partner, but you, what it is, is you also, you can't handle rejection. <laughs> so there are a couple people where I've thought, like, whether it's this sort of co-hosting or guest hosting, whatever it's called, or people I think you should have on the incident, and you're like, no, they won't respond. Like, you know that they won't respond to your twitter messages and so there's there's a whole bunch of stuff going on firstly i don't want to put people in an awkward position if it's somebody i know reasonably well in real life the asking for a favor i hate because then the person either feels guilty if they can't do the favor and or they don't want to do it and then they have to pick the right way to say no right so I, I, i don't like that and you're quite right it can really get my back up Yeah, like if someone doesn't, like if you think, because you think one of two things when you ask someone to do anything with your podcasts, you're thinking either, ooh, they'd be doing me a favor, Mm. or sometimes you're thinking, I'm doing them a favor. Right. And if you're in the you're in the mindset of like, oh, this is someone I'm do like I'm throwing them a bone. Yes. Which is certainly true in my case. I'm aware of that. And they reject you. Oh, am God, you get (laughs) real mad. Um. All right, we've got some stories here. The first one comes from Mark Piper, who says, As a younger man, I went out to my local shopping centre to while away the hours and found myself in an HMV. So that, that I know what they are. You know what an HMV? Look at you, you've assimilated. I know, five years, I've done it. <laughs> uh, browsing films. The weird thing is I thought HMV had gone bankrupt, So, but there's still a couple of them around. Right? Yeah, and people talk about them a lot. Okay. Uh, I happened across one that looked, this is browsing films. I happened across one that looked interesting and decided to buy it. It was 15 rated, but not a problem as I was old enough. I approached the counter and handed over the film. (laughs) The man at the till took one look at the rating and my fresh faced self and asked the obvious question. How old are you? Uh. Despite the inevitability of the question, I went into panic mode. The only thought that passed my head was to say a number higher than 15. (laughs) 16 I replied after what felt like an eternity I wasn't I was 18 (laughs) then the follow-up do you have any ID as I delved into my wallet my mind raced I'd just given my age incorrectly and by a decent margin surely when I gave him my ID he could only assume it was either not real or that I was some kind of simpleton that didn't know my own age Either would surely be reason enough for him not to sell me the film. My brain came to the only sensible conclusion. As I handed over my driving licence, I veritably bellowed at the man, 18! (laughs) (laughs) My logic clearly pink that the volume of the newer answer would resolve the issue. I have no idea how the rest of the transaction progressed, as I believe I have blanked it out for my own good. I uh, only have a sense of wishing the ground would swallow me up. This all took place well over a decade ago, but the feeling is too fresh. And the film was rubbish. That's Mark Piper. That was so good. good. I Mm. think that saved it. I I think that saved the podcast. This comes from Vanessa, who says, I live in America, South Carolina. 
Which We've is, been there. We went there. We went after the radio show finished and I, I loved it. Yeah. And it was one of those things, you know, often you go on a holiday and you think, God, I wonder if I wonder if we could live here. There's some really good coffee shops and there's nice restaurants and it's so pretty. And then Who would we be in South Carolina? Exactly that, yeah. And then I realized it was at the beginning of May. And by the end of July, it'd probably no, be like 140 we'd degrees be little or something. pools of water all over. Uh, yeah, I couldn't cope in that heat. Your hair couldn't cope in that <laughs> heat. <laughs> My hair was not made for that humidity. No. You need to take me to Tucson. <laughs> A dry heat is what A it A dry needs. heat. Yeah. Uh, Vanessa says, uh, I too suffer from frequent pangs of social anxiety. I have a horrifying story to share that has haunted me for almost 15 years. Back in 2003, I invited my grandmother to come and stay the weekend with my husband and I. She was battling lung cancer at the time, and I thought the trip would lift her spirits. During her stay, I offered to take her to a salon to have her hair done. On the way there, we argued over who would pay for the salon visit. I insisted that this was to be a special treat and that I would cover the cost. But knowing how stubborn my grandmother was, I knew she would try to subvert my plans somehow. (laughs) The hair salon was within a shopping mall. My grandmother was not able to do a lot of walking, so she was in a wheelchair. I checked her into the salon and sat and waited while she conversed with the stylist about her health, family, etc. Standard chit-chat. After a few minutes, my husband and I decided to run to the store next door to look around. We returned just as the stylist was finishing up. As my husband wheeled my grandma over to the door, I went to the register to pay. Her stylist said to me, Your grandmother is precious. You all have a nice day. Then she walked away from the desk. There was another lady at the desk who only looked up at me, smiled and went about her business with no comment. And since no one was asking me to pay, I immediately assumed that my grandma had covertly paid them. Whilst my husband and I ran next door, not wanting to appear awkward, I turned to leave, (laughs) determined that I'd take this up with my grandmother later. We made it a few steps outside of the door when the stylist ran out after us and exclaimed, you need to pay, loudly, of course, so everyone around heard us mortified i ran back inside the salon i apologized profusely i tried to explain i thought my grandmother had already paid i don't think anyone believed me they glared at me with their disapproving eyes i proceeded not only to pay the bill but also to add a gracious tip a very gracious tip for their trouble i should think however that um they must have seen us all as con artists imagine with the sob story grandma Uh, in the wheelchair yeah right Uh, She says, at the very least, I'm sure I'm known as the only person who's ever attempted to shoplift a hairstyle. Oh, (laughs) shoplift a hairstyle. That is very strong. She says, I still lose sleep over this to this day. These are very good. Yeah, they're good, these drifters. Yeah. Uh, The final one comes from Erin Healy, who says, hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Did I just say hi, weirdly? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I won't obsess about it then. I'd like to tell you about something that still makes me cringe and want to curl up inside myself. A few months ago, I applied for a job. It was to be a teaching assistant working with kids that have autism and complex communication difficulties, which I have no experience of. I was accepted for an interview and I was told that I'd have 30 minutes of questions and a task. I prepared myself as best as I could. I was nervous as hell as I walked up to the path to the main entrance. I was met by a lady who said that I'd be taken straight to my task. Great, I thought. No time to gauge anything or settle into my surroundings. Thrown in at the deep end. I was being taken to a classroom with six or seven children where I'd spend some time and interact with the kids. I decided to really put myself out there. I wanted to look enthusiastic, fearless, almost like all this is natural to me. Like I spend every day trying to communicate with kids with learning difficulties and desperately hoping they like me and possibly give me a vote of confidence to my potential future colleagues and employers. I was shown into the room. There was a teacher, six children and the lady who would be conducting my interview. I thought that this was the best chance I had to show them what I had in my locker. I took a deep breath, shivered slightly with nerves and anticipation and spoke the words that months later are still repeating in my head with some slight reverb for full emotional effect. Those words. So, who wants to show me what they're doing? Now, on its own, that doesn't sound too bad. No. But let's add some context. Oy. Looking around the room, one child is laid on the floor staring at the <laughs> ceiling. Another is eating paper. Another is holding a rubber ring and shaking it in their hands. One's filling up a cup with water, outing it out and repeating. One is idly colouring in. You get the picture. 
I was met with silence other than a few grunts and what I thought was one of the kids laughing at me. But in fact, they were just laughing at the paper they were eating. It was like a scene from The Office that makes you wince. I'm clearly out of my comfort zone and what I thought was a surefire winning opening gambit turned quickly into an internal panic. I had two people of authority near me uh, who were really trying hard to impress, but now I could feel them dying inside on my behalf. It couldn't be any more obvious uh. that I had no idea what I was doing. Months later, I'm working there and absolutely love my job. I think I'm doing okay at it now too, but that moment really haunts me. Is it a he or a she? Uh, it's a he, that's Aaron. He got the job. Yes. Isn't that a nice... It shows how, it la- shows how lousy you-, you can be in a job interview. Oh, I was going to take a much more positive message from it. <laughs> it, it gonna- in your head, you're like, oh, God, oh, God, this thing. But then the outside world is going, it's fine. Take the job. But if if me and everybody else listening to this podcast was able, were able to take in that then as a message, be- there'd be no podcast. Yeah, that's it, um It might be better for your life and our marriage. Yeah, but podcast comes first if you have a story of failed human interaction that you would like to share blurting something out saying the wrong thing something that years later still makes you cringe um you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com when you stop thinking your mind begins to start loving adrift with jeff lloyd and annabelle Oh, touch it. Touch it. Right, well, Sarah's covering the first week of Annabelle's maternity leave. And and there is a problem in as much as this this podcast really is for socially crippled people like myself and Annabelle. And I don't think you suffer from that in quite the same way. No, I think that I, if I feel something has gone wrong for me socially, I will I will obsess about it as much as either of you two. But I don't think I lead with anxiety going into something in the way that both of you do. So that's the difference. There's no trepidation. Right. But there has been, uh, knowing that I was going to come to your rescue today, I was trying to think like, okay, what would work? And then there was something that happened. And there are two pieces of backstory to sort of set this this down. Number one is that as many of your listeners probably know, you do a podcast with Ed Miliband. And I want what that means from my end is that Ed Miliband comes to my house once a week and uh, can i just put stop you there just because we um for listeners around the world who might not know ed Miliband, i think most people know that i'm doing that other podcast oh, your listeners around the world oh there are Jeff. listeners around the world okay 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 that's not nice. just not just your mum. <laughs> okay that's nice but just in case people don't know who ed Miliband is which i'm sure almost everybody will he was the leader of the labor party um He's a high profile guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so he comes over and all I want is for him to like me. And I don't think like because I believe that I'm the more likable one between the two of us. It's true. It's true. I'm not sure that it is true, but it's what I want to believe. So I want. So in my head, he goes home to his wife and is like, you know, you know what is special? Jeff Lloyd's wife. <laughs> Nothing to do with like all these big people that he's interviewing while he's here. The conver- It's like it's about how amazing your wife is, which is horrendously self-obsessed but anyway so i want him to like me and i don't really feel we've had a click yet i think he likes you i don't think i occur to him and why should i that's fine but that's my goal that's part one part two we have best friends they're a couple they're beth and dave dave is one of your oldest best friends and when i moved here i became quite close with his wife beth so two things about beth and dave number one is that when our baby was six weeks old, I was not handling it very well. I went to the doctor. I got put on some antidepressants. Later that day, I call up Beth, one of my closest friends here. Also, she has a baby who's six months older than our baby. So there's a lot of, oh, we just went through this. What about this? What about that? Right, right, right. So I call her up. I'm like, I'm not I'm not doing great. Can I? I don't feel like being alone with the baby. Can I come over to your house? She says, yes. So I'm in her house. And I'm just like, I'm a few days into this new medication and I feel something in my system. And I say to Beth, I was like, take the baby, knowing that I'm going to need the ladies room. And I run upstairs and I, I'll spare you the details, but I don't make it to the toilet. And it, I go to the, the toilet on their bathroom floor. You soil the floor. I soiled the floor. Not proud. But it happened. Mm. I was too humiliated, as you would be, to say anything about it. But there was some awareness that it was funny. And so maybe a month later, I was like, I have to confess something to you. Like, do you remember when I came over and I just started the antidepressants and I would like race to the, oh, 
mud up on the floor. Of course, Beth found it very funny and was like, mi casa es su casa? Do you know, is that just an <laughs> yeah, American? Okay, right. fine. So that's thing number one. Thing number two, just about Beth and Dave, is that their baby had a birthday party recently. And as we were trying to make an exit, Gene found a pile of mud in their back garden, brought it into their kitchen, poured it on himself. His nappy, so we had to take him out of his clothes. His nappy was so heavy with water, we had to take him out of the nappy. And the second we took off the nappy, he peed and pooed all over their floor. Keeping this in mind, Ed Miliband comes over next uh, last Thursday, and he, you guys are all sat in our kitchen, and I'm sort of making my way out of the kitchen. You know, I had tried to clean up a little bit, and I'm making my way out of the kitchen, and you guys are sat discussing, like, dif- different issues that you're going to talk about and all this kind of thing. And he brings up that he has a, an email from a listener who is um, trying to remember the bullet points. It was that this listener is transgendered, I think, from um, a very conservative family living in a very working class town and is talking about in a very emotional and moving and heavy way about what that life experience is about in a way that that might connect to an idea of something you guys would talk about. As that conversation is going on, Mail comes through the mailbox and we get a thank you note from Beth and Dave thanking them for the gift that we brought to the baby. I'd like to read that thank you note now to the listeners. It says, Dear Sarah, Jeff, and Eugene, just a quick note to say thank you so much for coming to my birthday party and for my amazing birthday gift. Hope gift. Hope you all had a fun afternoon and that pissing on the floor is an American tradition, which roughly translates as, God, that was the best party of my life. So suddenly I'm thinking about the fact that both myself and my child have pissed on their floor. The idea that it could represent, this was a great party. And I guffaw, like I laugh out loud in a very intense way, just as Ed Miliband is like, you know, I want to make sure we cover these issues to do with transgender rights and working class. And it is... The most inappropriate laugh I think I've ever done to the extent that you had to call to me from the kitchen and say, are you laughing at us? And I looked like the most insensitive, moronic person. It was this harrowing email that he was talking about. And I'm just sat in the other room laughing (laughs) at the idea of myself pissing on the floor. You're adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Everything that you always wanted And a friend that was with you all the time Who is also watching you closely judging I have an email here from John Strick who says Little story from my youth when I actually was headhunted, kind of, to do a paper round Um, I guess this refers back to Annabelle's Right paper round which she did well into adulthood i think she was mid-20s i listened to the podcast um at the time i was about 14 so i was what you might call very experienced at folding newspapers twice and putting them through a letterbox i worked out of a little shop around the corner from me earning the princely sum of 10 pounds 50 per week that's amazing right I, i think i got if i did seven days a week on my paper round i got five pounds and if i didn't do the sunday papers it was just three pounds fifty so he's living the highlight he is living the highlight. i mean he's possibly younger than me um one day as i was walking from one door to the next at the posh end of my round a posh car pulled up i should stress that this was in the days when it seemed more reasonable for old men in posh cars to pull up to chat to 40 year old boys <laughs> at seven in the morning <laughs> And at no point did I fear for my safety or concern that I was about to be asked to help with the disposal of a body. He asked me what I was earning on this round. And again, I never thought for one minute this was a strange question in the circumstances. I was 14. All I thought about was football and how girls worked. I told him how much I earned. And he replied that if I came to his shop up the posh end, he'd pay me £12 a week. 20% increase. Uh, Looking back, I like to think this wasn't a chance encounter and that he'd been watching me and admiring my work from afar for weeks, maybe months, before making his move. Um, But I think it's probably a chance encounter. I accepted on the spot and started the week after. Again, with hindsight, perhaps I should have been a little more guarded in my negotiations rather than saying, yeah, all right then, but never mind. Turned out to be a really good decision as not only... With the Christmas tips a lot bigger, but it was also a Jewish area and they weren't allowed to touch anything mechanical or spend money on the Sabbath. 
Consequently, on a cold Saturday morning, I'd often be asked to step outside to turn up a thermostat or switch on the hot water before being told to take a pound, or in some cases a fiver, off the table on the way out. This was paper round utopia, except for Sundays. They all ordered the Sunday Times, which was normally which normally involved enlisting the help of my dad and his van, something I'm sure he enjoyed on a Sunday morning, having worked six days previously. Well, this is interesting. So firstly pertinent to you it's in a jewish area you yourself are jewish and grew up in a very jewish area in the chicago suburbs is that normal um to ask gentiles to do things on the sabbath so you don't know what i have you know who'll know the answer to that who sarah whitesey Uh uh-huh my extremely jewish sister-in-law i i don't know because i grew up in a very jewish neighborhood but not like not orthodox like don't touch things on the sabbath jewish just like bar mitzvah jewish i have a feeling i once heard about elvis being employed to do stuff on the sabbath yes what is the phrase what is what is goy is that an offensive phrase yes that's that's not great so what what is a goy it's a really bad word for someone who isn't jewish okay yeah but maybe i could reclaim it because i'm someone who isn't jewish (laughs) yeah so you're allowed to say it but you don't want to hear a jew saying that okay okay um at what stage um, will you make me get a paper round if things don't go according to plan in terms of income? I will make you get a paper route in... I don't know. When could Gene do a paper route? You guys could do it together. Father, son. Super pathetic. <laughs> He'd feel real cool. Yeah. It's just me and my dad with our paper routes. Um, I mentioned this because this is the point in the podcast where we beg for money. Um, if you want to show your support, if you just pledge... A little bit, we'd be enormously grateful. Uh, you can pledge your support at patreon.com stroke adrift. As an American, why do you think us Brits are, are so much worse at asking for money in this way? Oh my God, that is such a self-delighted question. Why are you guys so good at being assholes? We're just not as good at it. We just keep calm and carry on. I told you, didn't didn't you do a week where Annabelle asked in an American accent? Yes. That, that was funny. That was your idea, wasn't I it? That's, you just wanted credit for the idea. <laughs> I know I did. Okay. Um, so, yeah, if, if you want to show support for the podcast, if you go to Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com stroke adrift. And even if you just pledge a little bit, it really uh, comes in handy. My family needs to eat. I can't get a job. I drift Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. If you get close enough... You can taste the freshness. So the reason my wife, Sarah, is co-hosting the podcast this week is, of course, because Annabelle's on maternity leave and the baby came. The she baby had came. a baby. She's a mom. Um, which is, is, is quite something. I feel slightly bad because I don't think we got a great gift. I mean, what did we take round there even? Oh, well, we got Annabelle a bottle of white wine, mm. white, and it was an expensive one, and I made a cake that her lover, Tom, um, once I made it, and he, maybe he was just performing, but he went on and on about how he loved it, loved it. I was like, oh, I'll make them that cake, and then we wrote, uh, I wrote an overly sentimental card to her baby. Which I, th- I thought, that, thought that was a solid bunch Can of Can I stuff. also just say that we've given them, like, bags and bags and bags of clothing, mm. So that's why buying the more clothing felt stupid. But that's that's hand me downs. Yeah, you're right. The, the, you're right. The point I'm trying to make is we we turned up there, and I think we're people who pride ourselves on knowing how to give a gift, right? Yeah. And I, I don't think it was stellar. I don't think it was spectacular. I think we just went along there with a solid offering. Okay. So anyway, we go over there. Annabelle is just wonderful with the baby. I thought she didn't do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she didn't seem like a natural. <laughs> you know, I always hated that before. You're a, a natural. Kid. She's but a natural. No, the other way around. Like I would hold a baby, and people would say, "Oh, you look comfortable," and laugh at me. Oh, and I was only trying. I was only trying my best. I know. The thing is, happens. in any given situation, I don't look comfortable. Right. And right. and a baby just happens to be one of them. Yeah. It's agreed. not. It's not that I'm particularly bad with babies. It's just that I'm particularly bad at life. Anyway, we had a lovely time over there. The the baby is is adorable. Um, the dog is very much an afterthought now. Yep. And I think we were amongst the first friends to go over, right? We 
hope so, but yeah. we don't know so. I mean, there were definitely family members over before, before were us. Were we the first friends? Annabelle was the second for us. Right. So I would accept second from her. I, from her, I accept first or second. And if it's third, I'm annoyed. Right. Um, and, and when she had the baby the same day, uh, we get the text message telling us about it. Yes. And despite... Uh, my instructions to Annabelle on the last podcast. She took forever to come up for a ne- come up with a name. She she narrowed it down to a short list, and um, and and she was paralysed by choice. Right. So it was the best part of a week later, right? Yeah, I think the baby was born on a Tuesday, and we got the text of the name on the Sunday. And we got the text, and there it was, the name of Annabelle's baby. And I thought, how lovely! Like they've they've come up with it. They've just they they've finally decided. And it was good. It was a really yeah, good it's name. really good. And and they're alerting us straight away because they know that we've we're invested in this and we're rooting for them. Then about half an hour later, I am on social media, just flicking through Instagram. Right, I come across Annabelle's lovers account right he has posted on his instagram the name of the baby i quickly do some mathematics oh my god and that was up there 50 minutes before she texted us so rude so it was in a public forum before she got around to telling us the name of her child right it could have been crossed wires between her and tom even so i think when when the cat's out of the bag you know you're pressing the button she knows he's pressing the button right right you're right just exactly how should I feel about this? And how can I resolve what threatens to become uh, an issue between Annabelle and myself? Oh my God, what if you divorce her? (laughs) I'll find out in this week's The Incident. Dan Snow is a famous historian. He also has a wonderful podcast called Dan Snow's History Hit. I asked him how normal, by historical standards, it is to leave it a long time before naming your child. Well, what, knowing what your own kid is going to be called, what taking, making your mind up and taking a while to do it. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's quite unusual. That, that's, you know, we live in a world now where uh, we are far more... It, we, we believe ourselves to be incredibly important individuals. We all think that we're going to become President of the United States of America or Prime Minister or a movie star, and therefore names appear to be vitally important nowadays. Back in the day when you were just going to be an agricultural labourer or a fisherman, exactly like your dad or mum had been, you didn't really matter what you were called. And so often, I mean, obviously, family names are important. In my family, every single uh, member of my mum's family is called Robert McMillan, stretching way back into the mist of time in the, in the Mull of Kintyre and on the coast of Argyle. So... Yeah, so it, 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 this new obsession with names—it's—it's it's pretty recent. So, where were people getting them from historically? Were they were they just sort of copying them out of the Bible or or family members then? Uh, very, very. There were very, very limited pools of names back in the day. Uh, you know, you would be—it uh, would absolutely be biblical names or, or or family names, traditional family names. And you know, it was a bit of a nightmare when, as your listeners know, we're doing family history. Or if I'm, doing, you know, when I'm looking back to do research, because everyone's called the same damn thing. So I've ensured that my kids will be very easy to find both on social media and to future historians because they're called weird stuff. Helen Thorne is a stand-up comedian and one half of the Scummy Mummies podcast, which is one of the biggest parenting podcasts out there. I asked her for her opinion. I know. I think you can go two ways because I know some people who've named the baby, you know, five years before they've even, you know, procreated. Um, <laughs> but but I had that thing when I named my kid that I wanted to look at it before I named it. And I had like four random names and I sort of looked at my baby and said, oh, well, it's Matilda, obviously. And then but with when... When sorry, here's my child screaming. <laughs> you can have a cake, of course you can have a cake. Have all the cakes. Um, great, awesome, awesome. There's my parenting. Yes, you can have some cakes, of course. Yes, yes. They're um they're fondant fancies Halloween edition. Just, oh, just very for, nice. Just for the, for everyone at home. Um, so um, yes. Yeah, so, I, I, my, my husband was not named for twelve weeks, and his parents were fined by the government. Twelve weeks? They did not. They, they just called him baby, and I just can't. I can't understand that. Like I cannot. I would need to call the baby something. Well, you've you've had all those months to prepare, right? Yeah, yeah, and and at the back of you, you know, you you probably have an idea that you want to be a, a parent one day. Mm. So did 
did they seriously like um, get fined by the government? I mean, did they keep having to put off registering the birth? Yeah, yeah, and so they got they got a fine, and he was called William, which is his bloody grandfather's name. I mean, they didn't like call him something really out of range. Right. Like, it's like, oh, we've taken a very long time. We've decided to name him after his grandfather, and his middle name's his dad's name. I mean, come on, <laughs> <laughs> nothing interesting. So, so the other thing that happened was it. So, it took Annabelle six days to come up with this name, and she texted me. And I was so excited. I thought, finally, they made a decision. I later was looking at Instagram. I saw that her lover had already put the name up on Instagram 50 minutes before she texted me. That that makes you feel second tier, Jess. Yes. It makes you feel second tier. Yes. Close friends text Instagram second. like Exactly. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I'm usually pretty relaxed about these things, but I get, I get, I get a bit sensitive and hurt. I like to feel like I'm in the inner circle, and then you feel like you're in the outer circle. It's no fun. It's not an easy time of somebody's life when they're a mother of a tiny baby. But would would you bring it up if you were me? Only in a funny way, not in a like. No, don't use capital letters in the text. I would suggest. (laughs) What the fuck? No, don't say that. Well, buoyed by Helen's advice, there was only one thing to do. I placed this phone call to Annabelle. Hi. Hello, it's me. Hi, how are you? I'm all right, you've changed. All right. <laughs> Is something in my voice? Yeah, you said, hi, how are you, instead of, hi, you're all right. I've become more formal. Well, I haven't, firstly, I haven't told them... Don't think the gender, but definitely not the name of your baby. But do do you want to just give us a a pricey of how it all went? Yeah. Um, I did the baby. It came out of me. Mm -hmm. Turned out to be a boy. A little boy. I'm saying congratulations on the podcast. Of course, I've congratulated you in real life. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And his name is Rudy. Rudy it's yeah. such a great name. Um, Thank you. Am I allowed to say his surname? Yeah, of course you can. So his surname is Richardson and I just think Rudy Richardson. You've given that kid such a head start in life. That that is <laughs> I mean do you not think that sounds like one of the popular kids? I th- I, th- I think when I thought Rudy I thought that's a good name. When I thought Rudy Richardson I thought that's a great name. It's so good. And yeah. um and how easy or otherwise are you finding at the moment? Um, yeah, it's kind of um, <laughs> yeah, it's really difficult. But when, I'm when surviving. I, when I spoke to you a couple of days after the birth, you you were considering putting him up for adoption. Yeah, there's, that's been mentioned a few times. <laughs> um, but he slept for three hours the other day, so so oh, we, we, we we've sent bounds. back the forms. Leaps yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I suppose also you want to know the big question is. Have I yet ridden him on Rusty like Rusty's a horse? <laughs> yes. And the answer is, of course I have. <laughs> That's good. I'm fully supported, of course. It's, it's good that Rusty's just Rus- listening. Yeah, it's good that Rusty's feeling included. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple more questions. The first mm. one is, out of all your friends, mm. um, what what position were we in in terms of when we were allowed to come and visit him? Oh, um, you might have been the first friends. Let me think. You might have been. It's all a blur already. But yeah, I think you might have been. I think even though you're in these this very early stage of parenthood and everything's a blur mm. and you're sleep deprived, you still know to manage my moods by saying, I think you <laughs> might have been the first. You're not committing to it, but might have been. No, I think you're the one you think you are. Okay, okay. Yeah, the, yeah. the other thing I, I wanted to discuss with you is... On on the podcast, we said, um, you know, you vowed that you wouldn't take a long time after giving birth to come up with a name. Was it was it five days? It was. It was five days. What what caused the paralysis? Um, I t- we just couldn't decide. We know it's not that we could decide. We couldn't agree, and we couldn't decide, and we just didn't know what suited him. But I mean, it's a baby. All names suit him. Don't they? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, so, I don't simultaneously, all names and no names. Yeah, but we were so exhausted. It was we couldn't make a decision. That okay. was the reason. Um, but when you did, you texted me. 
Yep, I did, yep. So a little while later, I was on Instagram and I noticed that about 50 minutes before you texted me, your lover yeah. Tom had already put it up on Instagram. I know. I didn't know he was going to do that. So so I found out maybe a few hours after he'd done it. So I had to panic text like everyone saying that this is his name no, because so, I didn't want them to feel bad. So, so the only reason I got the text was because it was a panic text. No, because I just hadn't got around to it. I was How long were you planning nap. on sitting on this information? <laughs> I think I was probably having a nap, and then I was like, "Oh God, like, this is this is bad. I need to get. I need to start telling people." And I felt, but I think I hadn't told my parents yet. My parents, for like, for, a, for a long, lengthy reason, so I won't get into, didn't find out until a week later. <laughs> <laughs> is that so, Rudy? Yeah, he was making a little grumbly noise. Oh, yeah, he does that a lot. <laughs> Shall I, shall I let you go and tend to his needs? Yeah. I think he really needs to ride around on Rusty Scruff again. Yeah, I think he does. I think he likes that. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the person that sometimes gets in touch with you, but then you don't talk to them very often because you're just like busy. And it's not that you don't like them, it's just that you don't like them that much. So you just kind of lose touch and uh, go... Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. You may remember a couple of episodes, Annabelle was talking about the anxiety you get when you've pressed a doorbell and you don't know whether it's one of those doorbells you can't hear on the outside, but right. you can hear on the inside. Um, this comes from James Appleyard, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle and Annabelle's baby. Suggested name Thor for a boy or a girl. It's too late. Yeah. Um, I just had to share an incident of complete social ineptitude that happened because of me the other evening. My wife and I have just had our first baby and inevitably we've been having a lot of deliveries come into our house as we've been ordering a lot of stuff for him, nappies, clothes, etc. <laughs> because of this, we end up missing some deliveries, but we live on a nice street with friendly neighbours who take packages for us when we're not in and they either drop them over to us or we pop over to get them. Nice. However, one delivery arrived when my wife and I weren't in and the little card the delivery person left said it had been left at number 21, which is just across the road from our house. As my wife and I have only recently moved onto the street, we hadn't spoken to anyone in that house before. So on my way back from work the following evening, I decided to pop over to number 21 and retrieve the package. It was about seven in the evening, so it was a bit dark. And when I got to the front door, the only way I could see of knocking on the door was with a tiny door knocker just above the letterbox. <laughs> I don't know why, but I knocked in a friendly way. That's like... You know, when you knock on a door in a way that says, I'm a nice, friendly person and definitely not a psychopath. After knocking, I then found myself in that social no-man's land where I wasn't sure how long it was acceptable to wait outside a stranger's front door before it started to look like I was some kind of crazed stalker. It was then I noticed there was actually a doorbell next to the door. At this point, I'd been standing outside in the dark for a few minutes and I felt like it was fast approaching crazed stalker territory. So I pressed it. A loud dong rang out from behind the door, but I didn't see any lights come on or hear any noises from inside, so I just assumed no one was in. So I turned around and began walking across the road towards my house. I say walking, but for some unknown reason, I decided to jog. Um, just as I reached the other side of the pavement, I turned around to see a little old lady standing in her doorway, giving me a stare that can only be described as unparalleled disdain, as she obviously thought I'd rang her doorbell and run away. She slammed the door. <laughs> a couple of days later, she came knocked on my door with the delivery, but I hid because I didn't want her to know that I was there, as she'd almost certainly recognised me as the man who apparently rang her do doorbell and ran away. She still has my package. <gasps> 
I may suggest to my wife that we move house again. <laughs> Thanks, James. Yeah, that, I th- there's, a, there's a whole... Awkward interactions with neighbours are the worst because mm. you're so stuck. We had one a while ago where I, I had something delivered here and they hadn't left it next door or, or uh, next door but one, but they'd left it a few doors down for some reason. So I went to get it and I could see it through the through the oh, letterbox. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's nobody in the house. So I went back a bit later, nobody in the house. It then occurred to me it was school half term. And basically they had taken delivery they of something signed for it and then, and then, then gone on holiday for a week. That's psychopathic behavior. Yeah. Do you remember, though, what happened when I was out of our bathroom window? You can see our back garden and the back garden of both our neighbors. And over the summer, I was just sort of like, I was just standing. I'd probably brushed my teeth and I was just sort of standing, staring out the window. And the husband of the family who lives next door was just, you could tell this was the guy. He's got a full-time job. He's got two kids and he's just out there enjoying his life. And he's, he's sat in a sun lounger with his eyes closed. And I was staring at him and it wasn't, I don't desire him. It wasn't, it was just sort of like, it was the excitement of getting to see someone else have a private moment. (laughs) And so I stared at him and then he opened his eyes and we made direct eye contact. Oh. And we've never... That relationship, it's never recovered. It's, it's never, it's just, it's never going to be okay. And now I just wonder if he told the wife, who I think I get on with, but maybe she's thinking I'm after her man. But you are the, you're the watcher. I am a watcher, creepy, I think. I think watcher. I'm a little creepy watcher. Um, hey, I should just mention that if you haven't taken the time to rate and review the podcast on iTunes yet, and I know so many people have, um, it's almost embarrassing to ask at this stage. I mean, yeah. it's embarrassing anyway, yeah. but it just helps with the iTunes chart and the downloads. And, you know, it would be really grateful if you could do that. And if you're not going to donate to Patreon, you know, I think I said this last week, maybe maybe you could try and recruit some new listeners for yeah. us. If everybody who listens to this podcast went away and found somebody else and then they found somebody else, I could get a, a wonderful sort of uh, pyramid scheme going, a Ponzi scheme. Oh, I was thinking of the word grassroots. Yeah. It's a grassroots movement. If it worked for Obama. I was going to say. Why shouldn't it work for this podcast? The two of you together. Form an orderly bubble and off we go. Adrift. Here's something I thought would be interesting to talk to you about. So, and I I still, after doing this particular thing for years, I still haven't made peace with it, mm-hmm. but I, I pay a cleaner to come around once a week. Right. Which you're uncomfortable talking about because it makes you, you think it seems like too posh or middle class. I can never tell the difference, but, but it's funny to me because it's like the tiniest, I mean, that's the tip of the iceberg of the posh behavior that you get up to. <laughs> what, what is the, the bulk of the iceberg? What's you the sharp edge? What's the bit that's going to sink the Titanic? No, you don't. You don't want to. Okay. You don't want them to know. Okay. So anyway, I, I feel slightly icky talking about it just because. Oh, okay. Sorry. Having, yeah, having, a, having a cleaner right. is, is a bit of a weird thing to me. Um, now, the, the other detail is our aforementioned friends, Dave and Beth, they, they employ the same lady to go and clean their house. Right. When we first met, who, uh, the lady who was to become our cleaner, we, we got the impression that her name was Thea. Right. I, I would have pronounced it Thea. Thea. T-H-E-A. Thea is how I pronounce that, or maybe Thea, but I would have just said Thea. So then when we recommended, the, when we recommended her to Dave and Beth, we said, oh, you should use Thea. She's great. Right. Subsequently, we found out that her name isn't Thea. Right. Her name is, in fact, Thea. No H. Right, spelled T-E-A, but not pronounced T, obviously, pronounced Taya. So I, I tell Dave this. I say, oh, funny thing. You know Thea? She's, she's not called Thea. She's called Taya. Right. And Dave's like, really? I said, yeah, yes. It's, um, she, there was some circumstance. I can't remember how it came up, but there was some circumstance. Well, what, what it, it had something to do with the fact that her, her name was Taya, but... All British people called her T. I like, okay. could not see that word, which is such a part of British culture, and get it in their mind that it wasn't T. So she just went with the nearest available option. And because I'm a hero, I was like, no, Taya, I will use your proper name because I'm a hero. <laughs> so, so, th- so then we give this information to Dave and Beth. Right. But they continue to call her Thea. <laughs> right. And Dave's, Dave's um, logic is that she personally hasn't corrected him. So it would be weird for him 
to start calling her tear out of nowhere. Right, because he thinks it looks like gossip <laughs> versus like, oh, here's a thing. Yeah. The name, we've been saying the name wrong. Like, how, how, I mean, how could she possibly be offended by the, that we've been talking about that? Well, people are, str- I mean, I, right, I, I'm on our side, but, but that's his feelings. But it's, it's a weird feeling. He knows what somebody's name is. Right. But he refuses to call them by their actual name because but, of politeness. Well, I don't, right. And I don't know where the story is going, but what we also feel strongly is that, that she's, that they're her favorite. Mm-hmm. Like she definitely likes them more, which is devastating. When I asked you to fill in for Annabelle, I thought it would be interesting to people to get a glimpse oh. behind the curtain of our marriage, but I wonder if they've glimpsed too much. I'm sorry. And that's our podcast. Um, thank you, Sarah. Oh, no problem, Jeff. Will you, t- <laughs> Will you do it again, do you think? Um, I, well, I think we both know the answer. If, if, you're in, if I am back on the podcast, that is a signal to your listeners that something has gone wrong. Okay. Someone canceled on you or you're in such a vulnerable position that you genuinely lack the emotional strength to reach out to others. If you can't get enough of Sarah, you can follow her on Twitter at Sarah Barron. It's Sarah with no H and Barron with a double R. And she's far too modest to let me tell you about her other activities. You'll just have to Google them. Thanks as ever to Man and the Echo for providing the backing music. They're so good. This track you can hear in the background is called Operation Margarine. And you should really look up the full song version of it and check out their self-titled debut album and thanks to Emily Harrison who provided the incidental music during the incident my advisors on the incident this week were Dan Snow he crops up all over the place he's got a ton of books out you can find him on the one show fairly often and he's got a genuinely brilliant podcast it's called Dan Snow's History Hit and I can't recommend it highly enough and the same can be said of the podcast of my uh, other advisor this week Helen Thorne one of the scummy mummies look up the podcast go and see one of their live shows Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox were our announcers and made our idents Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support Carla Gowlett took the photos and Kim Rainey designed our artwork Thanks for bearing with me this week. I know it's peculiar with Annabelle not being here, but that's how it's going to be for a little while. Um, So please make sure you carry on sharing your stories. Uh, You can email hello at adriftpodcast.com. And of course, you can support us at patreon.com stroke adrift. Next week, I've got a special guest host. I'm extremely excited about this. I think she's such a talent. She's got a new album out, which is called Stay Lucky, and it's just fabulous. My guest host on next week's podcast is Narina Palo. And finally, thanks to Annabelle's dog, Rusty Scruff, for allowing himself to be ridden on like a horse by Baby Rudy. Adrift. Adrift. All right, on to the podications. And firstly, I feel that I need to apologise to uh, to any drifters if you've written in for a podication. Annabelle did show me the system, but I, I didn't retain it. This is exactly the kind of thing I'm bad at. I'm not not good with anything kind of admin-y. Um, just to illustrate that, in my personal email account, I have 45,666 unread emails. That gives me such anxiety, that number. Currently. So um, I'm, I'm try- I've been trying to go through them and um, figure out when they should be done. But I fear I may have gotten it wrong, so apologies. 
So I don't even know which ones we've read and which ones we haven't. I'll, I'll start with um, a couple that I found. Uh, this first one comes from Duncan. 43 and three days when he sent this, who says, um, may I just say how much I'm enjoying this new podcast and now Jeff's even newer one with Ed Miliband too. Now, usually Annabelle would go through this stuff with a pen oh, and take course. out the compliments. Oh, but she hasn't done it. So what are you going to do? Well, I feel a little embarrassed that I read that out. It's the first thing on the screen. Oh, of course. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, he says... Congratulations to be for Rusty Scruff, the teddy bear king, he's firm but fair, on the imminent arrival of this new human sibling. And of course, very best of wishes to the family also. This is my first publication on the Adrift format, having enjoyed a few on the previous incarnation. I mentioned on one of those that I moved from Woking to Pool in 2015, and I was hoping for Annabelle to make me a badge like she used to, so I could wear it around the area to advertise the show down here. Mm. Um, however, as she's firmly retired that Argos badge maker, I am now hopeful that merchandise will soon be created, allowing my preferences to be known. Yeah, so I was thinking about this, thinking, God, we should do some... I've been thinking for a while we should do some merchandise. And... Um, oh, my God. Can I just explain what happened there? My wife... Almost burnt. It's so stupid. I don't want to talk about it. I almost burnt the house down. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Keep going. Okay. We won't get bogged down it in it. It's so dumb. So I've been thinking about merchandise stuff, but um, I thought, well, we should get it done in, in time for Christmas so that people can buy it as Christmas presents. Right. But almost invariably what happens when we receive correspondence from listeners is it turns out they are the only person they know who listens to this podcast. Right. So they can't buy the merchandise for somebody else can they no so the christmas factor is less important right um but it's something i'm thinking about and uh, i think annabelle's got other things on her mind to be honest but fair enough something, something i'm thinking about anyway the publication a friend of mine sarah who still lives in woking recently gave blood I commented my admiration of this on her facebook post adding that i myself am forbidden from donating as I'd received blood following a particularly nasty um, head-on car crash back in the 90s. It's because I'd made a withdrawal that I was particularly keen to donate myself to replace what I'd taken, ideally with interest on top. She said maybe next time she donated, she'd do so on my behalf. A bloodication. Although I wasn't sure about the name. I thought this was a great idea and decided to repay this favour in the only and cheapest way I could, this podication. Oh. Now, I'm not sure if she's a drifter, but I know she used to listen to you when you were on the radio when her family commitments would permit it. I've also spotted her name amongst those who have Facebook like to drift, so I'm hopeful she will hear this. I thought it best not to reveal her surname uh, so as not to embarrass her. Well, I'm sure she'd be happy to be associated with your show. I don't know if she'd appreciate her name being tied to this rambling monologue. So I'd like to podicate this week's show to Sarah and also to anyone who's given blood. Of course, the blood banks always need more. So if you can donate, please, please do so. It really does make a difference. It certainly did to me. You could even bloodicate it to someone who can't and you never know. You might get a semi-anonymous podication for your efforts. It was my birthday on the 7th, so if um, this could be read out on the show immediately following, I'd very much appreciate it. Peace and love, peace and love, peace and love. Duncan Rogers. Well, a little bit late with this, but not too far away from the 7th, just a couple of weeks, I guess. And, um, yeah, I can't donate blood myself. Why? Well, there's two reasons. I didn't know that about you. Well, the main reason is because I'm too afraid of needles. Right. So that's not a... But go on. Why can't you legitimately donate blood? So I, I, I couldn't tell you what my blood type is, but basically it's a useless blood type. How is that a thing? Right. So my, I can take in <laughs> blood from the most common blood type. I forget what that is, an ORA or whatever. I don't know. But um, my blood is is useless to anybody apart from people with my blood. Whereas we can take in the most common one, so it's pointless giving my blood. Do you see what I mean? No, but aren't there other people who have your blood and would need... Oh, no, because, because they can they take can the take... most common one, like I can. Man, you really lucked out. I really did luck out. As a needle phobe. So what's your excuse? I get blood. You get blood. 
I mean, not regularly, but I've done it. When was the last time you gave blood? Well, I don't know, but I would. Well, we've been together seven years and I don't remember. When do people do it? Do they like have a day every year and they go and do it? I guess so, yeah. I gave blood on September 11th. Which year? 2001. You did? And uh, have you done it since? No. So you feel that you've... You've got enough karma in the way. Mal- my- there was actually, there was so many. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I should. I, when do people do it? Well, when I, does Sarah do it? Well, um, Does well, she do it? How often does she do it? I don't it? know. I've got no more information than you do. I'll start doing it. Um, all right. Let me see the other one. This um, this comes from Tom Lampeter, who says, who who is in the States in Baton Rouge. Oh, we Baton Rouge. Uh, who says, Dear Annabelle and Jeff, it's your old friend Tom from Baton Rouge with an important and rather urgent podication request. My dear old mum, Doris, turns 90 years old on the 25th of October, and I would love for you to dedicate a podcast to her. We are hosting her birthday party with all children, grandchildren, and great grandchildren in attendance, along with her beloved sister and brother in law and her favourite nephew. We'd love for you to come, but those last-minute plane tickets can be cost-prohibitive. Yeah, um, but I would have accepted if you'd have bought me an expensive last-minute plane ticket. Business class. (laughs) Um, In the alternative, a thoughtful podication from you, her favourite son's favourite podicators, would simply make her day. I'm not sure about that, but... You know, I'm happy to do it. I'm just you're worried. Not, you're not. Oh, you don't think she's going to care? Well, I'm worried about disappointing Doris. I mean, I think having a family around special, but having somebody sat in his loft in England saying Maybe her name. She's a real cool lady. Maybe she is. In which case, it definitely will mean <laughs> we'll nothing to her. Um, I'm sure that you are overrun with tens of thousands of podication requests. So I know this. <laughs> do you know what? There's, there are too many. There's too many. But like, please keep them coming. But I don't understand Annabelle's system. So that she's left some here on paper that I need to get through. But I don't think any of them are for these dates. So which is sorry, I'm impinging on Doris's birthday yeah, podication. Not- but Doris, I do apologise. Um, so I know this will be challenging, but no one meets a challenge like you two. Take that whatever way you like. I'm confident that my $2 a month support buys a great deal of influence. Congratulations to Annabelle on the upcoming addition to her life, which is no longer upcoming. He's here. He's here. Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> uh, given that she seems as ready for parenthood as Jeff was, I anticipate the event and its aftermath will provide endless material for upcoming podcasts. Much love and thanks in advance. Tom from Baton Rouge. Doris, that's that's a, a real achievement. 90. Yeah, 90. You know, Any time your age has a zero on the end, it's a, it's a moment... To just take it and take stock. Yeah. Have a bit of pride. But 90, I mean, that's that's something. Is it? I, I'm not expecting to get to 90. No, I'm worried that you'll drop dead any day. Any day? No, but in the next 10 years. I hope I don't. Yeah, me too. Um, we need to know what Doris's secret is. This is a lot. I mean, it doesn't. It's luck, luck, luck is what it is. Luck. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I hope it's a marvellous, I hope it's a swell party, a swell elegant, elegant party uh, with all, the, all those guys around you and Baton Rouge. I've got no sense of Baton Rouge apart from what Tom's told me. No, I mean, I know a little bit about New Orleans, which is also in Louisiana because mm. my brother spent a number of years living there, but I don't have a sense of it either. Maybe he could tell us, maybe he could color it for us. What is the state capital of Louisiana? Baton Rouge. Is that right? Yeah. What's the state capital of Kentucky? Frankfort. What is the state capital of Vermont? Montpellier. So good. You're so good. One skill. (laughs) It's like Annabelle and celebrity baby names. Yeah, I think Annabelle's actually cooler in a way. I don't think I I don't have a skill like that. Um, I'm just very quickly just going to leaf through these other ones just in case there's anything that looks like it's date specific for this week. I I nearly read one out before, but it turned out they don't want it until November. That one there, yeah, okay. I think we're done here. Um, apologies if I didn't get your publication in this time, um, but I'm going to try and get organised by the next episode. And please, if you'd like a podcast dedicating to you, you can email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. And for now, the latest edition of the podcast is podicated from Tom and all the family in Baton Rouge to Doris, who's turning 90. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. And from Duncan to Sarah. And um, and that's that. We're done here. Done and done. Thanks, Sarah Barron.
I can't. What do you mean? It's uncomfortable to make eye contact in this. But it's name. just a it's just a way of, of of saying goodbye. We can't just stop, can we? You know, you've got to end somehow. Okay, do it again. I'm ready. Thanks, Sarah Baron. No problem, Jeff. <laughs> hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.